The only thing I know about stocks is like the people that DM me about Forex. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? Forex is trash. I'm like, I'm like what, what's wrong with American stocks? And I don't even know like. Do you, index in, do you invest in index funds? I don't do anything except put all the money back into this business. Oh, that's admirable though. Yeah, I literally don't know anything. That's why I love to get different people on the podcast. Like I talked to Landon about NFTs because yeah. I want to just continue to educate myself. And my my philosophy on this, just real quick, I want you to get back into this, is just I want to find people like you and Landon that are pretty like intelligent in that area, especially in comparison to me. If we were to just yeah. relate it to you know martial art, it's like I feel like a white belt yeah. and you're like a black belt. Because even if you got five years of experience, that's five years that I don't want to invest in the learning that yeah. I could just give you the money and be like, hey, here's an extra 10 grand I want to you know give you monthly because you know so much about stock options or like i love staying in touch with landon because he's into that like real big stuff that i like with the venture capitalism of he's going yeah. out and, like seeing what's going to change the world over the next 10 15 20 years right, right. welcome guys another episode of adversity kings we've got special guest tony santana yes right tony yes, santana that's, that's, that's my go. stage name originally from sure. chicago yep Okay, what's your then? What's your like name name? If that's your stage name. Uh, my name is Tony Akocha. Tony Akocha. Yeah. yeah okay. Nigerian. Let's go. That's yeah. cool, dude. I love UFC and uh, Kamara Usman and Stylebender. Yeah. I believe are both. Both Nigerian. And uh, then the the heavyweight champ, then Fra uh, Francis Ngannou as well. Though. Yeah, Ngannou. All... He's a monster. Yeah, literally. He's actually one of my favorite fighters. I was just watching more place, more dates. Yeah. Are you familiar with yep. the, the YouTube? Yeah, Derek. Yeah, 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 he was just uh, giving his analysis of Francis' yeah. physique, which is pretty, like, It's absurd. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane, bro. It's insane. So I was ripping real quick on, uh, he was asking me in regard to how I got inspired to start in life insurance. And then ultimately that led to me running my own uh, company, agency, essentially in uh, Chicago now, Lombard, Illinois, for the last year and a half. But uh, so back where I was at, expelled from high school, didn't know what I was doing. And then I was working. At a pizza shop with my best friend, mm -hmm. growing up, and he he's like full blown, hundred percent Italian. Like his, I think it was his grandparents that actually came over, and so I was working there, and I was working at UPS, and I was just thinking like I had really nothing going for my life. I knew I wanted to be rich or mm -hmm. wealthy, and I didn't know if there was another opportunity outside of like my best bet may have been to go to the military. I loved adrenaline, so maybe I could become a pilot one day. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, maybe I'll just go to the Air Force, see if I could ever work my way up into becoming a pilot, and. Got this automated email, it looked like, but it looked somewhat legit, so I checked it out, mm -hmm. and uh, the owner was in my state, and so I was like, it can't be that much of a scam. If right. There's a picture of, I, I Googled the owner, Simon Arias, and that's my partner now. What state are you originally from? Arkansas originally, but I was in Pittsburgh because both my parents went to jail, so it's kind of like reverse, yeah. my reverse story. Both my parents were incarcerated, and then my mm -hmm. mom got out first, and she was originally from Pittsburgh, and we had nothing to go back to. Once you go to jail, you lose everything. So, uh, we went we went back to Pittsburgh to live with her parents. So we stayed with my grandparents, and we just never left that general area. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, long story short, I got that email and I went in, checked it out. Didn't necessarily know anything about anything. So life insurance was so alien to me, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just you know saw a lot of money. I saw Maseratis in the parking lot, and I was like, man, yeah. maybe uh, maybe this is something I could do. Yeah, I love hearing your story. You're a hero. You know, I tell <laughs> I people know. this all the time. Like, heroes only come from unfortunate circumstances, right? Yeah. Uh, Batman had his parents killed right in front of him. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man got bit by a spider. You know, he's in. He's in, also in a pretty bad situation as well. Yeah, his uncle died. So, like, 
Yeah. To become a hero, you sort of have to, you have to overcome those unfortunate circumstances that you were dealt. And that seems like what you've done and continue to do throughout your whole life. So, Trying. yeah, which is one of the reasons I definitely wanted to do this podcast, Adversity yeah. Kings. I love the name. I love everything about it. And just seeing you talk on social media, I felt like I saw a lot of you and me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to be around more people like that. I want to continue to cultivate uh, a network of people who are like-minded, open-minded, and just dedicated to becoming the best versions of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right? So, yeah, super grateful to be here. Yeah, super grateful to have you, dude. And I was I'm listening into uh, your podcast, and I'm reading on you. And, uh, you know, it's almost kind of like, like labeling of people. You know what I mean? So it's like most people... You know, I would look at the uh, the overall music industry, specifically with like the the rap industry, and it'd be mm-hmm. like, there's no way like that individual is probably diversified, not only like in their business endeavors, but also like really just in their their I don't know demographical communication, and then uh, being diverse in in your education as well, and and knowing different things really scholastically, but also like business wise as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like as I was listening to the music and I'm like, okay, cool. Another rapper, but you know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, okay, cool. Another rapper. So it's going to be another one of these kind of people. Yeah, You know what sure. I mean? But then I start to like, like dissect you and I'm reading through all of this. And I'm just kind of like, this, this is going to be a very unique individual because I wouldn't even like say, I guess you could label, you know, the music industry or it's just, it's more so of like a, like a genre or a flavor, like almost the same deal yeah, with yeah. music. You kind of have that with different people. But so it was, it was cool as I'm reading down. I'm like, this will be dope because you know what I mean? There's going to be more to talk about outside of, you know, where usually if you excel in something, maybe sometimes regardless of where you're, you know, your music, your mm-hmm. athletic or something like that, it's just your specialty is that one area. Right. Opposed I, to being like, like I said in the, in the beginning, that diversification. So what kind of inspired you to want to like tap into all these different areas? Well, I think you just said something really interesting. I had did a podcast last week and I brought up the concept of an economic moat. So when businesses start, they kind of want to have a moat. They want to have something unique to themselves that other people can't necessarily compete with, right? So uh, I felt like just coming from a diverse background and having all these different influences uh, in a homogenized industry such as the music industry, it gives me a competitive edge because I can talk about different things uh, in my music, sprinkle it in. And I just think it comes from my upbringing, right? Um, Two parents, uh, really multicultural household, multi-generational household, and I just had a bunch of different influences. Uh, I was influenced by people like my brother, um, my sister, just everybody, everybody in my life, going to a multicultural middle school, a global middle school, uh, as well as a very diverse high school. I sort of took all those different influences and, you know, I, I put them in me. I immerse myself in all these different cultures. And, like, I just, I don't know, I just use it to increase my cultural capital in a way. You know, I want to be able to have a conversation about anything. Uh, I want to be able to have discussions about anything because it's like, why not? Yeah. Why not? What was your background like? What was growing up for you like? Uh, I had a pretty interesting upbringing, right? So, uh, my parents are originally from, like like I said, my dad came from Nigeria and things like that. Uh, so they migrated to the north side of Chicago, uptown, uptown area. I don't know if you're familiar with the uptown area. Maybe um, a little bit. Atlanta introduced me to a guy named Tim Arthurs. Mm-hmm. And I hear the north town is a wealthier area and he's a wealthier individual. So right. I don't know, is that, I don't know if you're familiar 
Uh, well, Tim's like a, a, a huge financial yeah, banker no, type of guy. No, definitely, definitely. It does have that aspects of it. Uh, but when my family first migrated there, it wasn't necessarily... It wasn't evolved to that point. Yeah, now. it wasn't evolved to that point. You know, there wasn't a, a large amount of funds in that, that particular area, right? It was very popular for uh, people who had just immigrated to the country. Now, so, why did they immigrate? Was there something going on in Nigeria? Well, I think America is the, the best place for opportunity. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the best country for opportunity. So, um, sort of, my parents met at Truman College in the Uptown area. Um, had my brother. So, yeah, they just basically raised him. And they had me about, like, five five years later. And so, yeah. So, what's your brother do? Uh, my brother's an entrepreneur. He's also a serial entrepreneur as well. He's yeah. in a real estate into the music industry, different things like that. So, um, where do you guys get the entrepreneurship? Are your parents entrepreneurial? My dad is a little bit entrepreneurial. I like to tell people this story a lot. My dad was the first person that I knew that like traded stocks. He was the first person I knew that was making money off his phone digitally and things like that. So, I think it was just the the expectation to be great, right? And you can only make so much money on a job. You know, yeah. and I always knew I wanted to be rich. I knew a job would only be willing to pay me so much. So even though I work a job right now, I knew I had to keep my hands in other different mediums um, and diversify myself. So I, I have the opportunity to be wealthy. You know? Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. So as, as you're growing up, what was, I guess I want to kind of go down the route of like culturally what what was the influence then now where your dad was from Nigeria where's your mom from then no my mom was actually she lived in Chicago her whole life okay so your mom's from Chicago then yes um now what what was that cultural influence then like even from your mom's side and your dad's side like what was what was the specific details of growing up and uh just what was that like so it was pretty interesting, right? On my dad's side, there's a bunch of different entrepreneurs, right? I have people like my uncle, yeah, who is a very well-known entrepreneur in uh, like Nigeria. You know, my cousins—they're pretty big farmers. They're in yeah. the hydroponics uh, in Nigeria as well. So my dad's side and my mom's side are very different. My dad's side had a lot of doctors, you know, people who were lawyers, people who went to Ivy League schools, investment bankers, things like that. On my mom's side. Um, it's a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller. There weren't people that achieved as much in that aspect. They achieved in their own regard, but just from like a, uh, you know, like a financial aspect, uh, my dad's side was a lot more accomplished. So I really feel like I got both perspectives going up. I got to interact with people who, you know, were from certain areas in Chicago, um, you know, that just had a different mentality, right? So I feel like me as an individual, I, my personality is basically this amalgamation of, you know, that grittiness that is innate to people who grew up in Chicago, as well as, um, you know, being Igbo, you know, coming from a Nigerian family that many might consider wealthy. And I sort of, you know, morph the two to become who Tony is today. So as you're growing up, what did you like most about growing up? Is there anything that specifically, even like a specific memory or something you were like the most fond memory you had growing up? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was blessed to have great parents, right? My dad, uh, my parents never hit me growing yeah. up, never got a whooping. Uh, my dad always gave me the capacity to make mistakes, right? I would do yeah. something, never put his hands on me. 
um, it was a lot of positive reinforcement, right? My dad taught me a lot of lessons. He would always take us to the Bulls game. Uh, we had season tickets, Bulls game. We would go to the Sox game. Um, yeah, it was just a really fun childhood, right? Anything I wanted. I wouldn't say anything I wanted. I basically got, but um, I felt like I had everything I needed and more growing up, which was very different than some of the people that I grew up around. Uh, so it was always just a good experience. I would say just like family outings and things like that. Cause, um, like I said, my dad's family is pretty big. So just being around my family, have you gone back to Nigeria? Uh, so I have a trip there in December. Okay. Yeah. How long? Uh, it's about three weeks. Are there three lions weeks. there? Yeah, there are lions in Africa, <laughs> but no, nah, I haven't seen lions in Nigeria. Okay. I was going to say, because, uh, we had a gentleman here that worked, uh, worked here and he was from Kenya and he was like. There really aren't any lions in Kenya. It was more just hyenas. Right. No, there's lions. There's lions everywhere. In but, Nigeria. Um, I've never. Sometimes that throws me off. I've never seen a lion, but I'm pretty sure there are lions. There's lions everywhere. Um, but nah, there's not just lions like walking around in Nigeria. That would be pretty scary, man. I th I think. Uh, but but, I, but there are places that they just roam. Like. Yeah. No. Definitely. Like. I would know. I wouldn't say around people but i would say they they for sure roam there has to be yeah yeah there they has can't to all be. just be captive yeah no definitely i always think about that a lot i wish animals and humans could just like coexist like that that would be pretty late. are you a vegetarian no okay. i'm actually a pretty big meat eater okay advocate. well more plates more dates so yeah. Yeah, yeah i'm a pretty big advocate of eating meat um I want my one of my favorite like top 10 movies i love movies mm -hmm. uh it's pretty that's the only thing i pretty much like doing outside of like being at the office of work and it's it's based on a true story out of africa and the lions are in a museum in chicago the movie's called the ghost in the darkness i want to look up what where it's based bro, bro you should check this movie out nice um do you like movies at all so i do like movies uh i would say my favorite movie of all time is the dark knight but it's i also really like pursuit of happiness with will smith yep uh, have you seen that movie? I have. Yeah, really good, inspiring movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, do you believe in meritocracy? Um, I don't know. I, I think I have different perspectives. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. What are you? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I know a lot of people that I tell that I like that movie, they don't like it because it pushes this false idea of meritocracy. And obviously, I think there's some validity to the idea of meritocracy, but... I don't think it's the only uh, determining factor or indicator of success, right? And I yeah. think that's pretty evident, you know? Yeah. But I think I think it's important nevertheless, right? Because like you said, you it seems like you didn't have anything handed to you. You were able to make the life that you wanted for yourself, right? Yes. So, you know, who's to say that the next person couldn't do that, right? But yeah. you might have something that's integral to you that – people don't necessarily see that's where i kind of get torn because i feel like everything i'm a big uh affirmations and and mindset you right. know what i mean so it's like where there's a will there's a way so it kind of directly corresponds you know what i mean with exactly what you're saying but i i, I truly think everything's a reflection of the internal mm -hmm. you know what i mean everything on the external is just there's a there's a spiritual correspondence or whatever you want to say. Some people are spiritual. Some people say, mm -hmm. you know, scientific universal laws, whatever it might be, your, your vibration and this, that, and the other. But, uh, I, that's where I feel like it kind of flows and intercoincides with, with what we're talking about. Right. But I think that's interesting. Cause do you feel like there was someone in your environment 
that inspired the mindset that you have, right? Because for me, it might not necessarily be like my environment that inspired me or uh, it, it might just be like having access to certain things, right? Having access to the internet, right? Um, back, Wouldn't that be an environmental inspiration? Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. like that. So like, I don't know, even if you have that innate desire within yourself to like work hard and achieve things, right? You could say that like environment is important, right? Like let's say somebody didn't have access to the internet. You know, I I don't know, it's like how do you quantify like meritocracy in a way? Like how how can we say it's real like objectively? Like how can we objectively say meritocracy is valid or it isn't valid, right? I think it's a little bit of both. Which that's where I would I would agree because again, I think it kind of goes back to like you're saying, it's like comparing the two mm -hmm. you know comparing the two of like is there a direct influence or is there not a direct influence of making an individual successful or right. inspiring and then assisting that individual in becoming successful right i don't know i personally feel like success is just the sum of the decisions that you make right yeah success just comes down to daily like daily good daily decisions. disciplines right yeah. so like this morning i woke up went straight to the gym you know, I went on a walk, went to the gym, uh, came back. You know, I wanted to rest, but I didn't act on that desire. You know, did a little prep, did a little work. Even though I'm off today, I work at a pretty big tech company that's, uh, they're really big on like mental health and things like that. So they give yeah. us opportunities to rest and get away from our computers, uh, just like arbitrarily, you know what I mean? So even though I had the opportunity to rest and take advantage of this time, I still put in that work. Right. Because yeah. I want to sort of, I don't know, I want to outwork the people that I work with. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I know they're not working. So why not take advantage of this opportunity to sort of distinguish myself as a hard worker, you know, as a competent worker as well. So, yeah, we push that as well. We're big, big advocates on we call it MBS. You know what I mean? You'll see me post a lot about it on my social media on self-development, mm -hmm. waking up, reading diving into spiritual development, emotional development, again, everything, again, I believe is a reflection on the external of the internal. You know what I mean? Your your ability, I think, kind of going with what we're talking about with, with success acquisition, I think your, your success is only sustainable in correspondence with the level of internal fortitude you have. Mm -hmm. You know, if, without a proper foundation, nothing's going to stand. Right. You know, you can't, you're not going to build some big, amazing house on some weak, small foundation. And so the, the size of the life that you're going to be able to build is going to directly just go hand in hand with the size of the life you can withstand from right. your internal development. That's why we're huge pushing on like, go read, you know what I mean? Go work out, make right. yourself better, get better. That way you can add more value to the organization. Right. And you got to sort of systemize it because it's easy to do something one time, have a good day yeah. and then not stick with it. Right. So one thing that I'm really big on is just systems. Um, so I always journal. Always, yep. I keep a checklist, you know, I make sure that I'm hitting these yep. these different things every day. It's sort of like having a quota, right? Yep. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I don't know. It, it sucks to make promises to yourself and not keep them. Yeah. Right. You know, I kind of get satisfaction out of, you know, being able to make promises to myself, keep them, and then just keep going, keep going and growing and developing and becoming the person that I want to become because... I don't know. I don't want to look back and be 30 and have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Which I realize is really easy to do. It's easy to fall on these loops. 
it's easy to fall in these cycles of uh, just not being productive, right? And I didn't think this clicked for myself until I've always been a hard worker, I always excelled academically and things like that. But this didn't really click for me until like the pandemic, you know, where I realized like my life is totally up to me. The good and bad, everything that happens is up to me. When I started practicing radical accountability, you know, I'm responsible for everything. That's when I understood that I have to take control of my life and, um, you know, systemize the decisions that I'm making. Because at the end of the day, no one's going to come and save me. No one's going to come and help me, right? It's just me. I'm a grown man. So, uh, yeah. What were your hobbies and sports you played growing up? Like, I feel like maybe did they help also, like, in your environment, inspire who you are today? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, shout out to my mom. My mom put me in, like, Taekwondo pretty early. Which was I was like, seeing that, the the martial arts, because I do jiu-jitsu. Nice. Yeah, my mom did jiu-jitsu, too. So, yeah. she actually started in college. She took a college class on jujitsu. It was like a gym uh, requirement or whatnot. And so I used to go to class with her, mm-hmm. you know, just go to her jujitsu classes, watch her. And I picked up a lot. But I would say my number one sport growing up was definitely basketball. Played a lot of basketball. That's why I was asking you if you were a Bulls fan because I'm a pretty big Bulls fan. Uh, someone that inspired my mindset a lot was Kobe Bryant, actually. You know, just like his mama mentality. A lot of the things he has to say about mindset, wellness, you know, discipline. Um, I find it very inspiring and I kind of bring that mentality to any medium that I'm navigating. Right. So, yeah, basketball, martial arts. I played basically everything. Baseball, uh, soccer. Um, yeah. I, oh, I wrestled. I wrestled in high school. I was an undefeated uh, high school wrestler my freshman year, which was pretty. Dumb. You only wrestled one year and you were undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, freshman year of high school. Yep. Didn't lose a match. Yeah. Did you wrestle? Yeah. I mean, like, I've never heard of that in my life. Like, just to go into stuff. Because wrestling yeah. is such a technical, technical, difficult sport. And so, to yeah. go in and... I don't think I had... I don't know. I felt like I was just a natural. Uh, I had a lot of natural, just strength. I felt like I was just... Because I was wrestling at, like, 145. Which okay. is crazy. Because, like, right now, I'm, like, 210. Yeah, well, that's a really good weight class, too. And I'm yeah. thinking, like... Really good. Even class. with natural strength, because it's so technical. It's like it's like jujitsu. It's like I have a lot of strength too, but yeah, that won't stop a girl from choking me out sometimes. Nah, definitely. You, you know what I mean? But the crazy thing about it, not never losing a match was that I used to get my ass whooped in practice. Yeah. By you know the people who were like one forty five, one fifty things yeah. like that. My friend RJ, he was actually the starting running back at the time. I still remember this. Like he just whooped me in practice, slammed me. Um, and it just made me question if this was what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah. But did you play a little basketball growing up? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, like a year or two years. Yeah. I was big on basketball. I don't know. I just I always loved being on the team. I'm happy that my parents gave me the capacity to try different things out, put my hands in a lot of different things and I felt like just doing this, it sort of helped me cultivate the friend group that I have now. You know, I have those friends that I met when I was playing basketball who are totally different than the friends that I met while I was playing baseball, who are uh, totally different than the friends that I met when I was playing soccer. So just like having all these different influences uh, really helped you diversify your social palette. So I'm curious about what belt you got up to in Taekwondo. Uh, I was like, what was I? 
uh, you know how they had the stripes? I was like a red belt. Okay. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, it was dope. It yeah. was dope. But the thing is about Taekwondo um, and martial arts in general, like once I stopped, well, I never really stopped, honestly. You know, once I stopped doing it physically, that's when I got more into like boxing, things like that. Uh, I was really big on like watching mixed martial arts as well. You know, that's why I was happy that you brought up Francis and people like that. Uh, I was actually just watching an interview with Dana White. Yeah. And like um, the Nelk Boys. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if I watched that one. I know I just recently watched one with Logan Paul, Dana White and Logan Paul. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that. Uh, but no, nah, I didn't watch it. But yeah, I'm really big on like one of my favorite people of all time. Just favorite athletes of all time. Uh, Anderson Silva. Right? I love Anderson Silva. Just, like monster. Greatest in his prime, one of the best fighters of all time, right? Remember um, when Chris Weidman broke his leg? Yeah, oh my God. I was heartbroken, man. Right? I was heartbroken. I'm a big fan of Anderson Silva, Royce Gracie. Are you familiar with yep. the yep. pioneers in the UFC? Um, he start, he, he's one of the uh, founders of jiu-jitsu. Right, no. To yeah. the best of my knowledge. Yeah, no. Royce Gracie, monster. I, was, I think I might have started, because even before I was into martial arts, I was into uh, the WWE. Right. Yeah. So I grew up watching people like RVD, you know, CM Punk. Yep. Um, who also like had that mixed martial arts. Batista. Background. Batista. Uh, you know, I was watching it way back in the day. I remember just being like four, you know, watching it with my dad. So even people like Brock Lesnar inspired me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Brock Lesnar. Um, Ken Shamrock. You know, mm -hmm. I was always on YouTube. So I think that sort of helped inspire my love for just you know combat sports um i even love boxing you know roy jones jr also one of my like top five favorite athletes of all time yep i would probably put him anderson kobe um d rose or steve nash you know what i mean so Did you see the one uh kobe interview where he was like job's not done yet like why would i be celebrating job's not done yet yeah that's actually one of my favorite quotes of all time you know i constantly have to tell myself that you know, because I feel like it's easy to accomplish something and get comfortable. Yeah. Right. But, you know, the job's not done. And I think that's just a natural state of like being a human. Right. Humans are naturally discontent. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I love it. I love that. I love that quote. I remember that moment. So, yeah. Now, what college did you go to? Uh, I went to DePaul University in Chicago. And then what uh, degree do you have then? Uh, so I studied economics. I went. To, I wanted to go into economics because I was always into like quantitative and quant uh, quantitative and qualitative analysis. You know, I always loved numbers growing up. So, um, you know, just after having conversations with my advisors, because I came into the school undecided. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was studying like politics and like Arabic or something like that. Um, and I didn't think that was necessarily practical for what I wanted to do. I was in the stocks as well, into the financial markets. I didn't necessarily want to study finance. I wanted to study something that would be broad enough where I had the the option to basically go in any field that I wanted to. So, yeah, um, I went to DePaul, studied economics. Yeah, graduated in four years. So you have a bachelor's of economics? Yeah, bachelor's of economics. Yes. And... What was your experience like in college? Because it said you also studied abroad. Yeah, college was lit, man. College was lit. Um, my freshman year, I feel like that's when I started to become 
you know, who I am today. Like, just Tony Santana. It just gave me that abundance. Where'd you come up with just Tony Santana? I was watching the movie Paid in Full. And like, uh, I love Paid in Full. Paid in Full, one of my favorite I, Yeah, but poster in my office, Paid in Full poster. Yeah, no, it's lit, man. It's lit. I so love yeah. the hustle. I love the game. That's so, my favorite line. Uh, Rico, uh, who was played by Cameron. Yeah. You know, I loved his character, even though he was kind of, you know, he did some things. Yeah. Um, but he was played by Cameron, who rapped in a group with this guy named Jules Santana called Dipset. Okay. Uh, so when I saw Jules Santana, yeah. I was like, yo, I like that. I like that last name. Uh, was actually a pretty big fan of Dipset, too. So I was just like, yo, Tony Santana, it sounds fly. So I just, I just went with it. But yeah, college was lit, man. You know, I had a good time. I had a good time. DePaul's right in the city, so you have the opportunity to meet everyone. I was meeting people from all different backgrounds, and, you know, on weekends you would go out to the clubs, and um, it just gave me that abundance mindset that I needed coming straight out of high school. Who was the coolest person you met in college? That's a great question. I would probably say this guy named Reggie Martin. I met him in I met him in uh, Macau. So Where's that? It's like in, it's basically in China. Okay. It's like the Las Vegas of, you know, Asia. Okay. So we're studying abroad. He's actually from Chicago. He likes to call himself the black China man. Uh, had the opportunity to chop it up with him in Macau. He works for one of the richest people in the world. I forget his name exactly. Uh, and he also spent some time at Playboy, you know, okay. like in some executive positions at Playboy. He was just a super, super good guy. Does he work for Jack Ma or something? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that who made Alibaba? Yeah, that's the okay. Alibaba CEO. But he also um, did some work with Playboy. But he had this really cool story about- Like the with, company Playboy? Yeah, like- Playboy the, Mansion and everything? Yeah, Playboy okay. Magazine. And then he also worked with the NBA. Wow. You know, which was super dope. And just like his story, I think he snuck into a game, created like a fake name tag and things like that found himself in a position where he was able to get on a plane and they just like, they respected the hustle. They realized this the guy, bulls. Uh, no, I, I he got on with the bulls. Like he snuck into a bulls game. No, and like he just snuck into a game with like his, like a fake name tag. He was young. But like time. what game? Like what kind of game? I don't know. I think it was an all-star game. Honestly. Okay. I'm like, I forget a poker what, game. Like, no, no, it was a basketball game. It was a basketball. Okay. Game. I forget exactly the game. It was such a long story. But it was inspiring. I think the thing that I took away most from it was just like, you know what I mean? You just got to take those those risks. I like to call them existential risks. Yeah. You know, things that could potentially change your life. A lot of us are scared to take those type of risks. So basically, he snuck into this game, got cool with people in the NBA. Um, and then from there, he just, just networked. He just so for networked it, he, re he really time. truly did live out the, you know, it's not what you know, but who you know. Yeah. No, exactly. So just learning about him. And like his experience and he embraced me, right? Because it's not that many black people that look like me, especially making their way to Macau. Right? Yeah. So especially if they're not. I wonder actors. how. Yeah, that's I mean, that's true. Like, I wonder how many black people are like in China. You know what I mean? Yeah, there wasn't a lot. There were some. There was. I don't I didn't see any in Macau. Yeah, and I didn't see any. And uh, what was that like over there? Like where you looked at it? I mean, you got to be looked at as like the. That like outside, well, obviously yeah. you are. You're that outsider, that foreigner. Like, yeah, is China like more prejudiced to African Americans? Well, I think prejudice is sort of like natural, especially in that sort of regard. Right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like you see people that's different than you, like. But I don't know if it was like more than like a like than like a typical. No, you know I, what I mean. I, I got more of a. It, it seems pretty natural. Um, 
more than it was like hostile right yeah. it wasn't hostile at all they embraced me out there like obviously there's prejudice because they're not familiar with someone that looks like me yeah but uh there was this one story me and my friends which were my classmates had actually entered this one this one store and uh i guess the owners of the store started whispering amongst each other or whatnot so we ended up leaving the store and so my teacher called the group of us that uh went into the store with her like she called us to the side and she said you want to know what just happened in there because she was familiar with uh she spoke mandarin uh whatnot and she told us that when we were in the store all the women were whispering amongst themselves that there goes an american superstar with his entourage so from their perception like from their point of view i was walking around with my entourage which were literally just my classmates yeah right so i thought that was pretty awesome just like that experience even just walking around people will want to take pictures of me yeah. you know uh and more importantly take pictures with me which i thought was also dope you know what i mean so, so were you taller and bigger than most of the people like are they like smaller yeah i was pretty tall out there i yeah. was pretty tall i actually went to a well, this was in Singapore. Um, I went to a club in Singapore, probably one of the craziest nights of my life. You know, I was, I don't know, I was being, I wouldn't call it like harassment, but like <laughs> women were like grabbing on me. It was just crazy. Cause you know, people were like what they're unfamiliar with, right? You know, uh, so it was just like a surreal experience being in Asia. Every time I went out, people were grabbing on me. How'd you even get the opportunity? Uh, I was just blessed. I was just blessed. So that year in particular, I told myself this was the year that I was getting uncomfortable, right? This was the year I was going to be willing to step out of my comfort zone. So I remember I was in the student center having a conversation with one of my friends, Alejandro, uh, and another girl named uh, Christine, and this one girl named Christine. And she told me that, um, like, Tony, you know, you got you to gotta step out of your comfort zone more. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I just feel like you do. Like, she sort of had this intuition, right? And so I I sort of introduced her the idea of, like, me, how I've been pondering the opportunity to leave, you know, to study abroad, to go to China and things like that. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting that she was saying this to me right when I was pondering this decision. And so, you know, after a long conversation with her, I just decided, like, yeah, this was for me. And so... I applied, I got in, um, you know, historically, uh, men don't really study abroad as much as women. This is just what the statistics show. So I was able to get into the program pretty easily. Um, and it had a great time, had a great time, had a wonderful time, probably one of the most transformative moments of my life. I realized that like at the end of the day, we're all the same, you know, regardless of where you go, we're all the same. We all like to eat food. We love to laugh. We love to have a good time. And so just being out there and just being embraced, you know, even though I was uh, met with a lot of like prejudice and things like that, it was all love at the end of the day. Right. It was all love. It was all smiles. It was it was a good time. Uh, I felt respected. So I always encourage people that look like me, especially to just, you know, step out of your comfort zone, take a risk, because like, why not? What's the worst that can happen? Right. These countries are safer than the U.S. times 100. <laughs> Definitely Chicago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime I take anytime I get the opportunity to travel, I take it. So were they pretty bilingual? Like, how did you like communicate? 
Uh, from my memory, I didn't have a hard time out there just speaking English, depending on where I went. Okay. But yeah, especially Singapore, because I, I went from Hong Kong to Macau to Singapore. In Macau, yeah, I didn't have a hard time at all. Uh, Hong Kong, no, I was I was able to navigate. And like I said, there's just like certain similarities between humans um, that are just like innate. So like communication is not as difficult abroad as people might think it is. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. They spoke like Portuguese and things like that, Cantonese. So yeah, there were some things that I had to look up and translate or whatnot, but now nah, I was able to make it. I was able to make it out there. So if you ever have the opportunity to like leave, go to China, go to Asia, so, go anywhere, you should do it. So Asians, they were speaking Portuguese? Yeah, yeah. How are they speaking Portuguese? Wouldn't they speak? Wouldn't they all speak like Mandarin well in or the Chinese? In, in the area I was in, in particular, there was a large uh, influence of like Portuguese culture, like historically. So a lot of them still kept on to the language. You know, some of them spoke like Mandarin and things like that as well. So there were a lot of different languages. You'll be surprised how many different languages. So are did they look about. more like? Port, like they, did they look Asian or did they look more like no they was Asian port, they okay. were Asian so like there was a Portuguese influence right so if you go to a dessert shop let's say I was in a dessert shop in Macau or something like that um, one of the most popular Portuguese desserts are egg tarts right and so in Macau it was really popular for you to go to Macau and like get an egg tart just because that Portuguese influence is still there right it's still uh, there's still remnants of that culture that are present in that environment. So, yeah, I think it's I always think it's super interesting. Right. Because you get to see a lot of these historical things just play out when you're there. Like you'll read something in a history book and just see how real it is when you're able to really navigate that environment. Right. So recently I was just in the Netherlands like two weeks ago. And, um, you know, so the most common language spoken there was Dutch. But I would say the second most common language was almost like it was either English or Spanish, right? It was either English or Spanish. I heard so much Spanish out there in the Netherlands. It was crazy. You know, I was finding people that spoke primarily Spanish, which is also pretty interesting. Uh, but I really don't know the historical reason for that. What took you to the Netherlands? I was just trying to have some fun. Yeah. Trying to have some fun. You know, uh, that's the one thing with me, right? Um, like I work hard, but when I'm not working hard, I try to, I've, I always try to find ways to allocate my time into the things that best serve me. Right. So if I'm not working hard, when I'm having fun, I'm going to be traveling, right. I'm going to be working out. I'm going to be playing basketball. You know what I mean? And that's the way I like to optimize my life in a way you should, I think Naval has a quote about this. I read like, the, uh, the. I was going to bring my book in from Naval, the passive, the almanac. Yeah. I just read that by Naval. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Robert Naval Ravikant. Yeah. And then I just started following his podcast too. Yeah. Right? Naval. Like with me, I really optimize my time. I'm either yeah, the almanac. It yeah. was good. I'm always relaxing, exercising, or working. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't spend time just mindlessly consuming bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, if you take the bullshit out of your life, you probably would have a lot more time to do things that would put you in a better outcome. 
you know, give you the life that you wanted. It's pretty simple, right? So, yeah, I just try to eliminate bullshit when I can, when I have the opportunity to. And um, that's something that I realized a few years ago, like just how much time we spend just just doing things, you know, mindlessly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. What's your What's your relationship with your phone look like? I know you always got to be on your phone. Yeah. Because you're I run, Yeah, so I run my business through my phone. But outside of that, I, I don't really care about, you know, people's opinions, social media. I have no issue with, like, um, criticism. I know a lot of, you know, influential individuals, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, we listen to a lot. But, mm -hmm. you know, I completely, you know, disagree. You know, he's like, limit your social It's like, he's because it's like it can be damaging. And I agree, it can yeah, be yeah. damaging. But I think you, you control you know, your emotions because you get to decide whether you're going to respond emotionally to something. You're going to decide, you get to decide how something affects you. Yeah. Whatever is, is, uh, indirectly or directly affecting you. That's, that's in your hands to decide how you respond and how you react. You people, it's just like, Oh, you're in depressed. Like I'm de depressed because you know, I don't have this, that, or my social media, my likes. And you know, I, I agree there's something wrong with that, but I don't think it's your usage. I think it's your perspective. You know what I mean? Perception is reality. But I think so, I completely agree with you also on the same note because there are some people that are making those – like they're – instead of you – like – and I'm not saying using in like a parasitic form, but more mm. in like a symbiotic form where it's like be productive with your time. I really like what you're talking about in regard to allocating your time to get a return opposed to like – Mm -hmm. Just just having like diminishing returns. And I don't mean financially. I mean like true wealth is an internalized fulfillment. You know what I mean? Right, of right, like right. getting something based off of what you're exerting and like putting out there. Get something back from it, you know? And so for me, like I've got like this cliche saying I came up with a long time ago from studying in our business. We, I immediately got put on the Pareto principle, mm -hmm. putting your top 20% of your energy resources in the in – the, uh, or no, 80% of your energy and resources into your top 20% based off prioritization. Mm -hmm. So it's an investment strategy. Uh, it's a personal investment strategy. It's a business. It, and I was like, instead of me just, you know, putting a majority of my time, energy, and resources into the top 20% of my business mm -hmm. and my self-development and my business development, why don't I just do that into every area of my life? So it's like uh, one of the biggest things I, I call it best bites. You know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. I, that's just that for life. One of the biggest things I do is like when I sit down and like order a plate of food, like I immediately identify what I perceive is, is going to taste the best based off those bites. And that's kind of like how my perspective on life is like wherever I'm going to put my time, I'm looking to get the largest return, not just on a financial level. And then I put like everything into it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, like 80 percent, if not more, is going to go into that specific area that I know is going to generate the return that I want. Yeah, you have to optimize your productivity. Uh, one thing that I found interesting that you said was that you kind of like social media because, you know, the negative effects aren't really, you know, um, affecting you like that. Yeah. Right. So I think especially us, we're probably very present in certain communities that are big on like stoicism. Right. Yeah. Really big. Yeah. Everybody's saying they're stoic. Right. But then they're preaching sentiments like that. You know, yeah. so you might be a true stoic, you know, because I still think. That I don't know social media. I don't really get negative comments on social media. I get some. I get a lot. I run a, a sales company. Yeah. yeah. So fifty percent of it is that's a scam, pyramid scheme. You know what I mean? So it's like right. I get direct attacks at my baby. Oh wow. Which is my business, not my baby. Oh oh okay. But yeah. This is my my business, and my baby. <laughs> 
But yeah, sometimes I think like if I was in like a position, someone's trash to talk to my baby. That's an ugly baby too. Right? No, they 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 would have to. Uh, we would have a problem, right? Uh, yeah, you got to be careful checking Chicago people. <laughs> no, but that's what I think about often. I'm like, if people, if I was in a position or predicament where I had a lot of unsolicited, you know, negative comments uh, directed towards me. I would literally try to find these people, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily hurt them, but I just want to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Right? Because I feel like we live in a society where people are just so comfortable hiding behind, you know, screens. Yeah. Right? Because I don't think people are mean like that. I don't no. think people are just like inherently I call, mean. I call, them, I call them Xbox warriors because right. what, what I had to experience growing up in the sales company is completely different than the people that I'm hiring now. Mm-hmm. And I have to explain it for our public relations reasoning is, is you know, legally you, you have to have obtain a license to sell life insurance. So you can put yourself in bad predicaments and, and serve jail time for complicating things, excuse me, with uh, customers and, and uh, ultimately just not doing your job right. And I remember when I first started selling, it was in person. Everything legally had to be done in person. COVID hit. The industry went essentially virtual. We can do everything over Zoom now. Zoom, FaceTime, whatever. And and people will set their appointments over the phone. And no, sometimes I'll hear agents just like talking with a level of energy and like just tonality that's just like, um, be careful how you're talking. You would not talk to this person like this right. in person. You know what I mean? Regardless exactly. of Regardless of how big or small they are especially when if you get beat up you know i feel like one thing i think everybody should go through is i think that everyone should get beat up once i think because you just have a different outlook on life you know and that's what i love about martial arts is because you get humbled very quickly and in most martial arts where it it isn't just strength it's like you walk in and it's it's the individual with the most i call mad hours when it comes to jujitsu it's just you know, I love Bruce Lee and it's, mm-hmm. it's not the individual that knows 10,000 kicks. It's, it's that one person that's been showing up for the last 10, 15 years through all adversity, through all trials, through all tribulations and been practicing kick over kick over kick. And it's the same kick and they've done it 10,000 times, you know? So now it's like you check yourself before you road rage or you say some mean, you know, tweet or, or text or comment because now you run into somebody that's half your size and, and strangles you on the side of the road or knocks you out. You know what I mean? It's like, imagine checking Henry Cejudo. We're probably almost twice his size. Like I'm 190, you're 200 pounds, 210 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Henry Cejudo could fight at 120 pounds or something. Wasn't he like, yeah. you know, and, but he would probably, he would probably take all three of us and like destroy <laughs> us. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that an underlying threat of violence, you know, sort of creates a sense of respect. Yeah. Right. If there is no perceived threat of violence. Yeah. You know, uh, respect is yeah, this Glock on the table. Going to make you talk a little different. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Leave the comment now. <laughs> right. And I think that social media, there is no, you know, underlying threat of, yeah. of uh, violence. Right. And that's why you have to have a capacity for violence, too. I yeah. Think the yeah. most. I ad- love. Go ahead. I think the most admirable thing is for a man to have the capacity of violence but not necessarily have the impulsivity to always act on it. A warrior in a garden. Yeah, a warrior in a garden. Perfect. Yes. It's a perfect way to put it. And I feel like that's me. You know what I mean? I feel like I have the capacity to, for violence, but I don't remember the last time. I can't remember the last time I got violent with someone. It's, you know? fo- it's foolish. You it's know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you put me into a position where I exactly. must be violent. And the only way you would do that is it's it's really just a you corner an individual. It's like if you put me where there's no opportunity for I'm I'm going to escape 9 times out of 10. One 
because legally it, it would be best it would be the best thing for me to do in my yeah, interest. Yeah, you have a business. Yeah, exactly. I have a Who business. Gives a fuck if you Yeah, <laughs> like I don't and I, so I don't need to egotistically <laughs> prove myself. Right. And and but and then secondly as well, it's like me exerting this energy is just simply not not worth it. You know what I mean? Because it's not productive. It's not productive. It's like what's the point of this? You know, cause you're just making an emotional decision. And if anything, if I truly want to humiliate you, it's, it's going to be by leaving the situation humbly. And it maybe even using some psychological tactics of making you look silly by, by, uh, you know, appeasing to your tactics with, with kindness. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, let me just do a simple, uh, you know, Jesus take on it and just turn the other cheek and just be like, Hey, look, I apologize. And not put the ball on your court. And you, especially if it's a putt, like one thing I really don't like, and we've all been tempted. You know what I mean? It's like, I think of like, you know, going through COVID and, and, you know, trying to eat and drink on a plane and just getting like mass checked, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like aggressively. And it's like, I would love to, you know what I mean? Just throw, throw this lady out the plane right now. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm not going to make respectfully. A f- yeah. Respectfully. But it's like, I'm not going to make a fool of myself where I've seen so many videos and I'm like, we get the point. Nobody wants to wear the mask. We understand it. But like, you don't know like what that late, like who's enforcing her, like right. that she has to hold people accountable to put the mask on. Like she's just trying to feed her family. You know what I mean? So it's like when you start to alternate your perspective, mm-hmm. it's one thing again, like you were saying, like with stoicism, it's one thing to say it and put it on your Instagram. It's another thing when you get involved in a circumstance where it truly is going to require and test you to see, are you really about this? Mm-hmm. Like, are you really willing to set down your ego right now? And, and look at this from a different perspective and realize this is just a single mother trying to feed her kids and she's just doing her job or a single father, whatever it might be, you yeah. know? So it's like, I'm, I try my best and this has been my weakest area of life is, is alternating my perspectives on a logical state opposed to emotional. You know what I mean? It's like, and I want to try to hit as many as possible. I want to try to see not just from their shoes and my shoes, but I want to try to find and locate other shoes that I respect. I think you have to look from from them and shoes that you respect. But I think you have to be careful on what you deem as trustworthy and respectable. Like give people the benefit of the doubt before you make an assumption. That's kind of what I mean by that. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important. I feel like, I don't know. Life is basically the battle of not acting on the negative impulses of human nature. Yeah. Right. So what you said about stoicism is important because I think stoicism and mental competence and even just being able to, like understand certain social dynamics is way more masculine, you know, masculine or admirable yep. than, um, you know, just resorting to violence. That's why I was extremely disappointed with Will Smith. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was wondering, cause we brought up Will Smith pursuit of happiness. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. wonder what, wonder what your thoughts are on that. And do you think it was staged? They're actors. Um, I don't know. Bro. I don't think it was staged. Yeah. I understand why people think it was staged, but I don't think Will Smith, nor Chris Rock would, you know, sort of risk their reputations. Yeah. Basically, like, that's what they did. People were mad at Will Smith, and people were also mad at Chris Rock. No one would have a problem with Chris Rock joke about alopecia if, you know, Will Smith didn't react the way that he did. Yeah. You know, people would have just laughed it off. So yeah. I felt like there was a there was a great uh, reputational risk that both men took in this situation. So I don't feel like it made sense for them to stage something like this. You know, for the Oscars, right? Uh, but I was extremely disappointed with Will Smith. I think that's a man that just acted emotionally, right? And there's severe consequences when you react emotionally. Um, so yeah, I think that was my my only analysis of the situation. But I was extremely disappointed. You know, that's Will Smith. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a man that doesn't understand his worth. That's a man that put in 
so much work over the years. And so how he's you, being minimized. How, well, how do you feel about situation? all the things that are being highlighted? I, I truly, I really want to know, like, I don't know necessarily if I would say I feel bad for him because I, I, I feel like when we say we feel bad for somebody, we almost start to kind of rob them of the opportunity to endure that adversity right. and grow to the next level of individual. So I, nobody really feels bad for you. you, you I believe in empathy to an extent. I just think it's a, you know it's a extreme version of sympathy because as much as I tell you I understand how you, you feel, I can never truly understand how you feel in my opinion. you know. But, but I wonder Will Smith's perspective with everything being brought to light because – now, when something blows up like this, they highlight like when you're that famous, they highlight every like little detail and issue. And so it's like now they're bringing up like the past uh, mistakes where they I don't know they had an open relationship or what exactly that was. I haven't done my research to know like the whole situation. Yeah. See, I, what are your thoughts? <laughs> That's funny that you say that. I haven't done my research on a situation as well. It does seem like they had an open relationship, so. You know, I don't think that obviously his wife has been manipulating him and also uh, tarnishing his name, you know, making yeah. a mockery out of him. But I don't think that, you know, just from what I know and heard about the situation, I don't think it would be fair to, you know, demonize her as a cheater. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I don't really know too much about the situation. I just think it's an unfortunate situation. And I was highly <laughs> like, I don't feel bad for Will. But yeah. I'm disappointed with him. Yes. Right. And I think disappointment, uh, you know, that's just basically saying that you want, you expected more from him, right? Yes. So. He can make it up to us through I Am Legend 2, in my opinion, if he comes out with that. Right. <laughs> I don't want people to feel bad for me. It does yeah. nothing, right? Pity no, does nothing. No, yeah, it's not going to do anything. Right. Um, especially when I make a bad decision like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, I was just highly disappointed. It doesn't mean that much. We all react to things emotionally. Yes. I know you had periods of time where you did something that uh, you yeah. weren't necessarily proud of, but you're not, well, you're in the limelight in your own regard, but you're not in the limelight like a Will Smith is. I'm yes. not in the limelight like a Will Smith is. I probably reacted emotionally in a situation uh, that wasn't on camera. I don't do it. I haven't did it in the last yeah. few years. I don't really get mad like that, but yeah, you know, he's he's a man. He makes mistakes. And so I feel like it's important for us to give him the capacity to change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Grow, improve. You know, he didn't kill anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I think one thing that, like, threw me off and I was like, is this real? Or is it, like, Photoshop is, like, I guess it was, like, some letter that uh, one of the, I, the daughter or something wrote. It was, like, Tupac, please oh, come back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I was like. They gotta stop messing with my man, <laughs> bro. Like this is too much. No, definitely. When I saw that, I guess Willow had wrote a letter to Tupac, <laughs> like for real. A man that yeah, that was real. Co I think Kodak said he was gonna whoop her. Or <laughs> like he, was he would give her a whooping or something like that, which I thought was pretty hilarious. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, this family—they're just—they're on some other shit. Other, you know I mean? other, other shit. Bro. Yeah, so. You know, I'm going to try not to judge. Uh, that's not my family. That wouldn't be my family. But, yeah, they have a really interesting social dynamic. But they're in a unique situation, right? They're rich, you know, ultra wealthy. They've been in the limelight. They've grown up in the entertainment industry. Will Smith it's has so been hard. there all his life. Jada yeah. Pickett-Smith has been there uh, all her life as well. So, you know, we're basically just we're consuming it. 
and we're seeing their life on the forefront. Uh, so it's easy to judge, but there's probably some things going on in my life that people would probably just find jump weird. on. Yeah, so I try not to judge, but yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate situation because you pedestalize people, you pedestalize celebrities uh, when you're just like watching them. Yeah. You know? Who's your favorite celebrity then? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. I would say Kanye. Love Kanye. Yeah, I love Kanye. Just I love everything he stands for. I love his music. I just like how creative he is. He's he's great. He's a risk taker. Like absolutely a risk taker. I just love someone that's living life on their own terms. You know, yeah. anybody, any celebrity that's living life on their own terms, preaching independent thought, um, no, living a unique lifestyle, navigating life in the way that they want to. I'm inspired by them. Yeah. Even if I wouldn't do it the same way, even if I don't agree with every opinion that they have, uh, it's just admirable, you know. And he's done it through music. He's done it through fashion. Have you gone to any of his performances? No, I've actually never seen Kanye live. Damn. Which is disappointing. Neither have I. But how do people go to those Sunday services? Sometimes he be on his Instagram, and I'm like, who are all these people in these black robes, and how'd they get invited? Yeah. So I actually had a. <laughs> friend that played violin well played the cello actually uh at one of his sunday services does he talk to all the performers i don't think he really talked to him that much but he just show up like just drops through the ceiling starts singing yeah <laughs> but he was in proximity to he loves kanye you love kanye yeah. yeah kanye is the goat man what's your favorite kanye album i like the life of pablo the life of pablo is great what's your favorite song uh maybe uh saint pablo yeah now nah, i love Everything from Jesus to I'm, I'm curious on what my favorite song is. Donda to Jesus is King. Like I love everything Kanye. I feel like he really he conveys and captures, you know, the complexity of like the human experience. You know, he's not just putting on a performance. He's yeah. just authentically himself and he's giving you every aspect. And he's so Kanye. real. He's so like he's, he's so he's, he's unfazed. You know, literally. I respect people that are not afraid. Not afraid to say what they want to say. Not afraid to take risks. So, down yeah. and out. I love Kanye. I love Kanye. Who are some other people, other I, celebrities that I'm big on? Um, I don't know. I love Russell Brand. Russell Brand, I saw that. He's Virgin, right? He's a Virgin? No. the vir is, that, is that Virgin Company? Russell Brand. Oh, or, I know who you're thinking about. I I'm thinking of the thinking. other dude with the blonde hair. Yeah, Russell's the British guy, right? The British guy. Yeah. yeah. Who's the dude that owns a... The CEO. Oh. I know who you're talking about. The CEO. Uh, uh, Virgin. CEO Virgin Airlines. That's just... That's yeah. the place. No, that's wrong. No, I know who you're talking about. He's like a businessman, right? Virgin. Yeah. Ah, Richard Branson. I don't know. I was... I know who you were talking about, though. You know, so I was like... I'm reading it. It was like... It sounded familiar because it was... Uh, now, what you put down with Russell Brand was, is he more philanthropic? Yeah, he's philanthropic. I just have a, a lot of respect for him. Uh, some of the things he says I really resonate with. He's like a, I think it was like a social media personality. Yeah, um, yeah he was on like reality TV or something well, like so that. So what did you like the most about him again? I just love him. I just love. Like, What's, so what about him? I just love like how philanthropic he is. Uh, just like a lot of the stuff that he says about like mindfulness. You know? Yeah, I love his accent. I just love like a Jim. Everything. Is he kind of like Jim Carrey with the mindfulness? No, I actually love Jim Carrey too. Yeah, um, I love how Jim Carrey is able to tell stories just through his, you know, face. Yes. Um, 
But nah, I love people like Russell Brand. Like we talked about it before. Uh, Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan a lot. Yeah. Like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know? I don't know. I just, I love anybody that's inspiring me to become my best self. Now, I was reading through, uh, I think it was your LinkedIn or something, and I really liked, it was some article or LinkedIn, and it was like, uh, somebody made a recommendation, I, I think it was a professor, for you not to get a degree or, or like not to master the degree, but to master a concept or something. What what was the saying? Oh, I actually wrote that article. Yeah, what, what did you say there? Master? It oh, was really good. Yeah, I said. I can look it back up. Yeah, I said, don't go to school to study for a job. Study a concept, you know? Yeah. You don't want to study a subject. You want to study a concept, something broad. Um, that really gives you the optionality to to pursue. How would people want. do that? If, like for people listening, or you know what I mean? Because I t I give people two different perspectives. I give them right. the perspective of no education and becoming financially and you right. know just successful in life. But I also will bring on individuals. Like I just had a chemist on, and he was DePaul, right, Aiden? I think he's DePaul, and he's gonna work on his tenure through DePaul. Right. But giving people those perspectives of perspectives of you know, where you absolutely need an education to pursue your success in life and then giving them, you know, what, what it would look like without. And then there's hybrid where it's like, you know, you do, you do, you dabble in both where it's like, you've got the education where it's taking you to different places and it's built different mm -hmm. relationships and giving you different tools yeah. that I don't have. But then you also dabble in the world that I've, I've grown up in, which is, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, so it's like, right. since I was 18, I've been a hundred percent commissioned. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's more awesome because you're a hybrid, you know, I was too dumb to do school. Nah, it was a lack of passion. I just like to say, but too school, dumb. school is expensive. Yes, you know most yep. people at this age have a negative net worth. Yeah, and, so, and I was seeing, and I loved how you talked on the 1.7 trillion. I think it is mm -hmm. in student loan debt. So it's like it's cool that you're honest on on both because I try to bring up both. Where it's like I grew up in a demographic where my mom worked three jobs and that was still not enough to keep us off of mm -hmm. government assistance. Like we had food stamps, that was the only thing she would accept. But she she sacrificed. Right. essentially being there with us so it's like i never really saw my mom you know it's like and you know very sadly i'm actually going to a funeral sunday but the woman that raised me basically just passed away like my second mom oh and yeah. uh sorry about and that. it was just it was just sudden it was just random so that's it's, it's a lot you know what i mean but people don't realize that's just life that's that's adversity kings you know it's like yeah you gotta you gotta be ready to to keep going because so many people depend on you and Really, the most important person that depends on you is the person you see in the mirror, you know, when you wake up exactly. and you go to bed. It's like, I got to keep going. I got people to pour into. I got to be there for my best friend. And uh, yeah, I tell people this all the time, man. You can work hard. You can be educated. But you can still end up broke. Yeah. Right. I yeah. feel like the greatest indicator of financial success is, you know, hustle. You yeah. just got to keep going. Yeah, I always tell people that it's just a stubbornness. It's it's a it's a combination of of stubbornness and service. You yeah. know what I mean? I think it's two S's. I think it's I think the service is just you know, it's going to be fueled by your ability to love and have humility and I think I think the stubbornness is just fueled by, you know, just a, a relentlessness of like like that pursuit of happiness. Like no matter what's told to me and no matter what right. occurs in my life, I'm going to get up and I'm going to chip away just another day. Exactly. Just another day. Exactly, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that in sales. You might not close a deal, you know what I mean. But you eighty percent of our week is not closing a deal. Exactly, but you still have to keep going. Yes, you still have to keep going, and that's the thing about me. I took L's, 
adversity is is probably one of the best things that you can deal with. Right? Oh, it's so good. I you you don't grow in victories. Nah, I've actually learned the most from from losing. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Um, so during the pandemic, I had got really big into option trading. I wanted to get into that. That's where yeah. I was pulling up in my notes. Is yeah. So I got really big into option trading. What is that? So basically, an option trading is they're like financial contracts that enable you to buy uh, a stock at a certain price, right? So, so like a piece of a stock? Yeah. Well, yeah. So basically, you can buy an option contract. Let's say you buy a call option for $36, $36 strike price call option for a particular stock. You're basically saying that you think the stock is going to be this price Yeah. Uh, by the time your contract expires, Yes. Right? So I had got big into option trading. It's super volatile, right? You can either lose everything or make a lot of money, you know, or. It's, so it's more like a gamble on like you're trying to predict whether it goes up or down. If it goes up, you get the difference. Yeah. So the more I got into gambling, I realized option trading and gambling are literally the same thing. Okay. Right? I was wondering. They're literally the same thing in a way, you know, but obviously there are more. I don't know, not, not, but nowadays, you know, there's so much data and analytics with yeah. sports betting that it's almost very similar to like a stock, you know, trading stocks or trading. Options. I don't think stocks is gambling. To no, the... not buying stocks. Okay. Stocks, buying okay, stocks. Okay, but even the options doesn't sound too, because one of the biggest investment, you know, strategies that I got from one of our largest investors, our third largest yeah. investor, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, mm -hmm. he analyzes a lot of his investments and the individuals that come to work with him yeah. based off of their character. So one of the questions he'll ask like an interview question, you know, whether it be for doing research on studying a CEO mm -hmm. and really just kind of like the, the management structure of a, of a company is, you know, would I trust these people around my family? Mm -hmm. And that's the same deal with, with his hiring process as well. Like mm -hmm. the close knit individuals is would I trust these people to handle my personal finances or would I trust them around my, my children and my right. family? And I think that's a, very simple perspective but also really good because you know if if you know your i don't it's hard to say like your moral and character code is better than someone else's but it's like yeah. tested and proven and then the individuals you're investing into are tested and proven and they align with your beliefs maybe not overnight but over time it it's it's going to work out because your values align right and you know your values are, are working thus far in life no that's a good point like historically Option trading was used to like hedge, like hedge your, yeah. your place or hedge a position within the market. But I got into option trading early in the pandemic. Uh, I was familiar with it before. I used to study it because I had a friend who I realized, like you ever just look at your friends, you're all in high school or whatnot, and there's just like somebody doing better than everybody else. So this guy, he always just had thousands of dollars, right? It's like one Indian kid. I'm trying to think, and I'm like, no one. <laughs> but he was like the only guy in high school that used to have money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Well, that was, was my best friend growing up. You know, I mean, he worked hard, but his family did really well. Yeah, but he was the only person I knew that had like a personal trainer. He was able to drop two racks here, drop three Well, the here. population in Chicago is also 10 million. So <laughs> 10 times like the, the diversification in the area. Right, right. So one day me and him had met up, went to Starbucks. Don't get too far from the mic. Oh, my fault. We had met up. Went They're to really Starbucks. good. Like, I feel like it don't matter too bad. Because yeah. Rogan always be like, make sure you're in the mic. But I'm like, <laughs> listen to mine. I'm like, ours are pretty loud. Because I can hear, like, however I can hear you is how it'll sound on there. So they pick up pretty good. Yeah, no, these are really good mics. Yeah, they're, like, loud. I'm like, we're, like, too loud. But um, I studied options with one of my friends. 
Um, we had met up at Starbucks one day, probably studied options for like two, three hours. Didn't really understand it. Yeah. <sighs> Pandemic happened, you know, stocks were low. Yeah. And I saw it as a, as a great time to, you know, get into option trading again. Right. So I had done some research and, um, it was a really interesting time because like while stocks are low, um, there was also this public health crisis going on, right? Yeah. COVID. Uh, so I knew my strategy for trading stocks. I had a I had some money saved up from uh, a business that I was running as well as just like. And that, is that the business you set up before? I'm looking here. It said uh, starting business and first customer being youngest elected Muslim official in U.S. Yeah, yeah, that was the business. I had some money from that business. I also had some money from like a few other investments and things. So. What were those businesses? Uh, just like shoes, like selling shoes and things like okay. that. Okay, I love I love shoes. I I be trying to get a pair. Yeah, yeah, just a, a week. My yeah. favorite. I got to adapt Elevens. They're the <laughs> ones that uh, you press the button. Oh, seriously? Yeah, those are sick. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, I'm more of a Yeezy guy. Favorite shoe of all time. Yeezy. I like, don't like the way they look on me. Damn. I like the seven fifties. Yeah. Or the October Yeezys. October Yeezys one of my favorite shoes of all. Do you got a pair? Seven fifty. No. Okay. I, I wish soon coming soon. Right. I like, like when, whenever I can justify just dropping 30, I'm like, yeah. all right, it's time to do it. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, what was I? T- oh, I was talking about like the pandemic. We we're in this public health crisis and stocks were low. So sort of my trading strategy at the time was just to find the stock that was going to be the company that was going to be responsible for, uh, vaccines. Yeah. Vaccines. Yeah. Right. And so I was researching or whatnot, you know, the typical, um, you know, big pharma companies came up, Pfizer, Moderna, you know, I actually could have made a lot of money on Moderna, but I didn't, uh, Novanax, you know, a few other companies, you know what I mean? And so I was just on stock twits one day. You familiar with stock twits? No. Stocks is so foreign to me. The only thing I know about stocks is like the people that DM me about Forex. And I'm like, what is this? Forex is trash. trash. (laughs) I'm like, like, what's wrong with American stock? And I don't even know like. Do you you invest in index funds? I don't do anything except put all the money back into this business. Oh, that's admirable though. Yeah. I literally don't know anything. That's why I love to get different people on the pod. Like I talked to Landon about NFTs yeah. because I want to just continue to educate myself. And my, my philosophy on this, just real quick, I want you to get back into this is just, I want to find people like you and Landon that are pretty like intelligent in that area, especially in comparison to me. If we were to just yeah. relate it to, you know, martial art, it's like, I feel like a white belt yeah. and you're like a black belt. Cause even if you got five years of experience, that's five years that I don't want to invest into learning that yeah. I could just give you the money and be like, Hey, here's an extra 10 grand. I want to you know give you monthly because you know so much about stock options or like, I love staying in touch with Landon because he's into that like real big stuff that are like with the venture capitalism of he's going yeah. out and like seeing what's going to change the world over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Right. 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 No, and that's where it's like, Hey, look, dude, I'm going to give you 10 grand. Just <laughs> do something with it. Do something, you know, get in on those, those VC deals. But yeah, no, I don't know anything about stocks. I know Wolf of wall street and I know the four uh, Xers that DM me. Mm. So, <laughs> Please don't. Uh, please stop DMing me. There was this company. So I, I researched the companies like Pfizer, Novanax, Moderna. Yeah. Uh, then I came across this company called Sorrento Therapeutics. Okay. The ticker is SRNE. You know, so they weren't necessarily working. What was on that? Our, <laughs> what was? They weren't working on the vaccine. They were working on therapeutics. Okay. You know, because I felt like the vaccine was too controversial. Yeah. So my thinking behind it was that, yo. I would invest in a company that was going to be responsible for therapeutics, 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which would, uh, they're a lot less controversial than the vaccine was. And people would want to take this because COVID, obviously a very real thing that was going on. Yeah. But like, you know, there was a lot of skepticism regarding the vaccine. So I didn't want to invest in anything vaccine related. Yes. Uh, but my brother did. And he actually made a lot of money with Moderna. So um, I had this money saved up. I bought some shares of the stock called Sorrento Therapeutics, ticker symbol SRNE. Uh, bought a bunch of shares or whatnot. And so I figured, wait, this might be a really good time to, you know, because I was into like paper trading. Yeah. Which just gives you the opportunity to like trade with no risk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically just acclimating yourself to like investing in the market. Um, so I figured this was the best time for me to start option trading, right? The stock was so low, so undervalued. Nobody had its moat. You know, nobody can compete with this company with what they had going on. I was looking at the critical trials data. I was looking at the CEO. We must have hired an elephant. <laughs> what the fuck? I was looking at the CEO's like son's page. I was yeah. just doing all type of research. I yes. found it out like I found out everything about this man. I found out everything about the company. I was piecing different things together. I was in this little group chat or whatnot. Yeah. And so I had bought let's say I had bought some um I bought like maybe like fifty contracts. Yeah. Uh for a strike price of ten dollars. So that's basically me saying fifty call contracts, right? So that's basically me saying that this stock will hit this price by this date. If that makes sense. Yep. You know, so the stock can be like $2 and let's say I have a November 10th with a strike price of uh, $20 um, call option. Yeah. Right. So I'm thinking the stock will go up to that price by this date. Yep. That's basically what I'm betting. Right. So at the time the stock was like three, four dollars and I had bought a bunch of strike price contracts and they were super cheap right because yeah. ten dollars is double what the strike price was at the time right there's yep. this whole like algorithm uh that sort of goes in the way like the contracts are priced so i bought a bunch of contracts for ten dollars at a strike price well at a strike price of ten dollars in november um and the stock happened to go from like four to like 20 you know which would have been you know, times five, even if I just bought regular shares. So my shares are up significantly. And then like the contracts I bought had exploded, you know, like they were up like 10,000%, 20,000%, you know, some crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a lot. It was a lot. So that was the first time I actually traded options. I made like over a hundred grand. So did you do it again or? No. So this is why we brought it up, right? <laughs> we brought it up because we were like, we learned the most from uh, our losses opposed yes. to our wins. Imagine just making like a hundred grand on your phone and like, it was like three weeks and you didn't start like in three weeks, just off your phone. You're just looking at your, your account. You're checking it every day. Boom. You make like 120 grand, like by doing nothing, just clicking some buttons on Robin hood and your account explodes. It sort of disrupts <laughs> the way you view money, right? He's hiring. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it fucks up the way that you view money, right? So uh, I tried to do it again. Well, first off, the, the contracts 
they almost expired worthless. So I lost a lot of the money because I didn't sell it fast enough. Yeah. Uh, so so I, do you have to like literally be by your phone 24-7 seeing when it hits like closest to your predicted number? No. So I don't know. Like the value is so it's so volatile, right? Option contracts are so volatile. Everything goes into the price of uh, the way option, uh, option contracts are valued. So even things like time, right? Because I was so ahead of – it went up. Like it times five in like a few weeks. So I was still about three, four months ahead of when the contract would have ended. Right. So like if time just went on in this in the stock just stayed at that same price, the contracts would have been worth less, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was because the bet was so good and I hit it so fast. It wasn't it wasn't a bet. It was like a calculated risk that I took was uh, it hit that strike price, well, exceeded that stock price so early that the contracts were worth so much. So why wouldn't people just kind of try to be as proactive as possible with identifying like global and like national problems and then just invest in their counterpart solution-based companies? Like like I keep seeing articles about food shortages. Why wouldn't I just go get options with like, I just look up top three companies that, you know, supply global or national food. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let me go invest... Let me go do an option on Coca-Cola or something and put it. It's going to go up. You know, does that make sense? Right. Well, because what it sounds like is you identified a major problem and then you just found the counterpart, like a solution based oriented type of company. And then it's like, let me invest into this company in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, people do. Sounds like an easy way to just can because there's always problems. Let me just let me just go do this. Yeah. No, that's what people do. Like there was a Twitter page dedicated towards Nancy Pelosi's stock. Uh, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, like, and she like demanded that it like go down. They never got it down, right? He had like some hidden IP address or something. I don't know, but she was making so much money. A lot of these politicians made so so much, so much money. money during the pandemic. The thing is, um, they know things before we know, so they obviously have the opportunities to invest. Uh, but option trading. You imagine really like. It's really risky. Great news, Deborah. There's a there's a fucking virus coming. Invest in Pfizer. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's the thing. Pfizer has a lot of outstanding shares, so it's not as volatile. Like yeah. the way stocks are priced is just so complex that like a stock like Pfizer, they can make this much money, but a stock like Sorrento and I'm still like so simple minded that I'm just like still wrapping my mind around like yeah. what the hell is a stock? Because I'm like, when does so is a stock created when a company goes public? Yeah, so they would have a stock, yes. So, why, like, like I guess, what, what's the difference between a private and a public company? So, the public company is publicly traded. Like, you, you can get money from investors. So, basically, you just open up your company when you go, like, is there a certain dollar amount you need to say, hey, I want to go public, and then every stock is just a representation of, like, a percentage of the company, like its value? Well, it, it depends on the company, right? So, um Right now, I work at a company. It was actually acquired by Microsoft. Wow. Um, pretty big company, social media platform. Microsoft? No. It, <laughs> I it, was going to say yes. No, it, 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 was, it was acquired by Microsoft. <laughs> okay. The, the company that I work at right now. Okay, I was like, yeah, Microsoft is a big company. Yeah, but there's no stock for it, right? There's no stock for the company. Like, you can't invest in the company that I currently work at Okay. if you wanted to. Can you invest in Microsoft? Yeah, you would have okay. to invest in Microsoft. Okay. Like I'm able to get Microsoft. Are you, like, a subsidiary of Microsoft then? Yeah. So, so I, American Income Life, which I'm a franchise owner yeah. of American Income Life Insurance Company, 
is a subsidiary of Globe Life. And then if you watch any baseball, it's Globe Life Field, Texas Rangers. So that's yeah. our parent company. Okay, so like you would get equity in at Globe Life, GL. Globe Life, GL, right? Yep. So I'm pulling my stock up. I want to show you our stock. <laughs> so I get is equity from Microsoft, right? So, um, yeah, I get. That's how I guess I invest in stocks because I put a large portion of my paycheck back into Globe Life. They let us opt into that. Yeah, well, you're probably a part of the employee stock purchasing program that enables you to buy the stock at a cheaper price than we're red today. It's actually trading on the market for. For real? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Because sure. a lot of guys, they say they do build up a large amount of wealth, you know, just just in buying into our stock. No, so the stock market is the easiest way to build wealth. Yeah, just through that compound interest. Yeah, historically, yeah. it's the easiest way. You don't necessarily have to do anything. The market is shown to do like basically ten percent every year. Yeah, you know, I did a really cool post the other day, and it, it you know you'd have to go through and correct it, but wow. I I got really curious on the stock has been doing really well over the long term. The long term. Yep. Which so we we average about ten percent growth a year, and then if mm-hmm. you the only thing that I'm financially literate on is a finance because uh, you just need a life insurance license. That's all I have. Right. I have a health license too, but is the financial factor rule seventy two? So I used to right. use that in my sales pitches, and that's just you take your interest rate. You know that right with the yeah. seventy two and all that. And so it's like I know what every seven or eight years our company should double just off of our average ten percent growth. Right. So it makes me feel good. You know what I mean? Just because like right. I feel like that's a good good place to be in between that eight to 12%. And then I was doing research cause I was curious of like, what's a parent company, what's a holding company. Right. I wanted to tie the two together and have more credibility when I'm trying to hire people because mm-hmm. I want to start hiring more qualified people. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm doing research and it's like, okay, so we're a subsidiary of globe life. We're the largest subsidiary of globe life. So we've got the most impact I would imagine then on, on the value of the company. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our largest investors in globe life are three largest investors, which is, I know it's not that hard when mm-hmm. they they have ten trillion dollars in assets, but it's BlackRock Company, mm-hmm. uh, the Vanguard Group, and then Berkshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was cool though because those the first two are like I think BlackRock's the biggest uh, asset manager company in the mm-hmm. in the world with ten yeah, ten million ten trillion dollars in yeah. assets, and it was founded in the eighties. So I'm kind of curious on like. How did they become the biggest? And I started reading. And I was like, I read one article. It was just briefing through. It was like they hire a lot of uh, like retired political officials. And I was like, wait, so th- these people leave these political positions, <laughs> making all this money just to go be a part of this ten trillion dollar company? Yeah, there's probably an incentive to it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Every, everything is about like money, so curious. Man. I was like, I don't know if I like this company investing into us. Right. Nah, that's awesome. But yeah, everything is about money. Um, that's what I'm starting to realize as I get older. Like, I don't know. People don't do things if there's not an economic. That's what I tell people. Like, incentive. Yeah, like, because I was reading a statistic and it was like 80% of people are influenced by money. I was like, this is a lie. A hundred percent of people 100%. are. There's there is a because maybe they're counting out like the wealthy that just won't do something. It's like that's not true. There's a certain price mm-hmm. for every individual. There's a certain price where people can be somewhat bought or persuaded. Yeah, yeah I like how you have that Drake quote. On uh, it captions one of your pictures. Yeah, like which people one? with no money act like money isn't everything. Yes, like people with no money, they wake up every day, go to their job that they probably hate. Yeah, you know, work forty hours a week, maybe more, and then act like money isn't important. Money is important. Yeah, you know, it, it's not <laughs> everything, but it's important. Right, yep. it's not valuable, but it's important. Absolutely, you know what I mean. I think people need to distinguish the two, uh, just so they can start developing a more healthy relationship with money. Yeah. Right? I'm big on money. I allocate 
about 50% of my paycheck directly towards, you know, assets. Uh, my company offers a 50% 401k match. That's dope. So that's, a, that's insane. An automatic 50% I don't return. think I've ever heard one that high. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I'm already building wealth through it. You know what yeah. I mean? I might have half a million just in uh, my 401k in like 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is pretty crazy. And yeah, then I also take advantage of the ESPP plan because I max out the 401k. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm going to do that every year. And then I have the ESPP where I'm able to purchase Microsoft stock uh, cheaper than what it's actually trading on the market. Wow. So all my money goes into that. And so the money that I make from side uh, endeavors. Who eats the difference when you, when, when, in, with that employee program where you get, uh, get it cheaper than it's trading? Like who eats that negative difference? The company? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Uh, like how are they able to afford? Because no one, no one, nothing's ever free. So it's like, yeah, nothing's ever free. They're probably just making a, a shit ton of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, they're probably just they're probably just making so much money that they're able to do it. Yeah. So it's like, a good sign. Yeah, and it's an easy way. I always tell people: give yourself a raise through you know four hundred one k match, uh, as well as ESPP. Right. What does that stand for? Uh, ESPP. Yeah. Employee stock purchasing program. Okay. Yeah. So if you're able to give yourself a 15% raise, yeah. You know what I mean? Just through, you know, clicking a few buttons, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that any way that I can. So a large percentage of my money is allocated to like investing for the long term. And then like I probably invest 75% of my money. Cause like the other 25% I'm doing. And is it more of a long-term play or do you take more like with the options? Do you, do you do any short-term risk to like get a lot? Like I literally take pre yeah. pretty much every dollar and put it, put it all back into this. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like people see, like I posted my, my gross, my 1099 is gross. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I posted all this money on, on TikTok, it, you know, went viral a little bit, but mm -hmm. people don't realize I put every single dollar back into this business. Why is money important to you? <sighs> I would say there's multiple levels of importance in regard to what money, you know, means to me and mm. the level of importance. But ultimately, it's it's the freedom. If I were to boil it down, I don't look at money as money. I just look at it as a tool to every dollar corresponds with a level of freedom of of each one equals, you know, not having to answer to somebody at some time, you know, at some place. So, it you know, you get the direct opposite. You can do what you want with who you want when you want. You know, and I want to create that for, for my mom and, and my sister and give back to, you know, what we didn't have. So it's like, right. I'm just taking these tools and multiplying them mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And I know, you know, a million dollars is not going to give me everything that I want and what I want to do for them too. You know what I mean? It's like, it's right. going to take hundreds of millions. And then really even more important to me is, is my impact and my legacy of like, I want to be number one. All I care about is winning. So like I look at myself as a sales company and I look at Jeff Bezos and Amazon and Elon Musk and Tesla as a sales company and they're just number one and number two. Right. Everything you know? is sales. So it's like I got to be I want to be number one, you know, and I'm going to do it through life insurance. So it's like I'm not going to stop or I'm going to die trying to be number one in the world through what I'm what I'm good at, what I'm familiar with. And it'll be the, the life insurance industry. Yeah, that's awesome. So I don't think I ever want to retire. No, I just want the option too. Yes. You know? So like what you said about freedom is basically you just want options. Yes. You want just options, options to tell the man like, yo, go F yourself. You yep. know what I mean? You don't yep. want to have to take, you know, 
take shit from anyone. Because I don't know if I can curse. Yeah, no, you can. Yeah, we swear all the time. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to have to take anything from anyone. You want to be able to cancel a flight. Yes. You know, get in a car accident, be able to, you know, just pay to fix it up or whatnot. Um, that's number one for me. Like options, which corresponds with like freedom, and then number two is to give it to my offspring. Right? Yes. Give it to my children. Yeah. So that's why I invest in the long term. The money yes. that I put in for my 401k, uh, as well as my employee stock purchasing program, that's all dedicated towards, you know, like my children. Yeah. Like when I get older and things like that. I think that's one of the biggest reasons a lot of people come work here as well is because life insurance is residually based, like a, mm-hmm. a good percentage is residually based. So mm-hmm. one sec. <laughs> How that works. I might have another. How that works though is a percentage. Obviously, we get a commission, but a percentage of our sales yeah. go to residual income. Then, so right. how it works is, you know, you set up, sign up a life insurance, you get paid the next week, but then they keep paying for the rest of their life, <laughs> and you get a paycheck every month. Right. You know what I mean. So as long as that the policy is in existence, and people don't replace life insurance because life insurance is based off your age and your health, not your wealth. Right. So you don't get to decide how much you buy with how much money you have. Right. You decide how much you buy with how healthy are you and how, you know, essentially young are you as well. So your age and your health. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what I really like. So it's like, you know, my, my residuals just off doing this for five years are about three, four grand a month, which isn't, you know, that much, but my partners are like insane, like over, over like 400,000 a month. You know what I mean? 400,000 a month. Yeah. That's and awesome. just passive income. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I feel like that's a, that's where you're kind of like at a level, you know, where you just don't have to answer to answer to anybody answer to anybody and people don't know things like this exists yes you know what i mean yeah no you know but i i see that one uh light-skinned dude that's always talking about life insurance yeah uh, and just financial stuff he's uh, he he goes viral a lot he's he's got i don't know he's got the crazy uh brown eyes yeah always uh, i don't think he got like a fro Oh, I feel like he got a fro and a beard or something. I've probably seen him. I see he may all have these long hair. Influencers, financial influencers. Yeah, everybody's and, on that now. Yeah, everybody is. I love it. I know it's real with you because I came into this office and I just, it just felt like money. Yeah, you know, everybody felt. Yeah, like you got to do a different money. vibe. You know what I mean? And yes. I love that. I love that out here. Uh, so yeah, Let's see what's next on here. This is good. I wanted to get into this music origins. How like when did music start? Middle school. 2013 is what I was reading. Yeah, yeah. That started in middle school. So I told you, like, my parents always gave me the capacity to just try different things. My mom was real open-minded. My dad didn't really care what I did. So yeah, uh, I just had a lot of free time to just, like, explore and uh, fulfill that that innate creativity that was inside me. So when I was, like, 13, 14, I actually hit up one of my friends. His name is Aubrey Dupaton. And I was like, yo, you just you want to make music together? Because we were always coming to school, uh, rapping verses. I'm a pretty big ASAP Rocky fan. Yep. I think that was like the first person that made me want to rap. Um, this is when he was like first came coming out. He was dropping Long Live ASAP, Live Love ASAP, which are like some of his earliest projects. And we would come to school and just like rap, recite the verses. And I was like, bro, let's just let's just try this out. And it, it sort of worked out. I spent like a year just studying just studying before I actually uh, went to the studio and put out a song. So I was just studying people like Kendrick, um, Common, Kanye. um, And I was just learning how to rap, right? I had to learn how to rap before I learned how to make music. Um, So, yeah, I just 
and it's Aubrey's your partner, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the person I. I like. I like. Uh, he likes the Eagles. It's one of his. Uh, oh old, yeah. yeah, it's one of his his bands or whatever he likes. Yeah, yeah. And then you like was it Marvin Gaye? Yeah, I love Marvin Gaye. I'm a big old school. Ain't like, no mountain high enough. <laughs> that's that's one from one of my favorite movies. Remember the Titans? Yeah. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Denzel's one of the coldest actors out there. Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of different influences. I'm inspired by everybody, honestly. Like I got so much diversification because I grew up mm-hmm. like black country. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like my dad's black, my mom's white. We grew up in Arkansas. Yeah. But my dad was a like a farmer. You know what I mean? Oh, I so like that. a cowboy. Yeah. And so it's like I was raised in a barn, you know, for the period of time my dad, you know, was in my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were some, you know, from the outside world, some negative perspective on it because I was immediately beat. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. remember immediately like it was a it was definitely a very a very hard childhood. But at the same time, like my drive for winning comes from the very high expectations my dad, you know, had for me. Like it, Would you he, trade those beatings in for anything? No, I, I honestly feel like they created this psychotic mindset that I have today. Like, <laughs> I'm just willing to go. So are you happy? Are you grateful for them? Absolutely. You know <laughs> what I mean? I think, you know, as a kid, I was confused because I didn't know if he didn't, like, love me. But now I look back and just realize, even though, you know, there's something wrong <laughs> in his mind, you know, I feel like it, it I don't know. I don't know if it's, like, just I've my overcoming of it and, like, self self-therapeutic attempt of just, like, addressing, you know, things we internalize as kids is, like, I feel like it was really his expectations and how he was able to communicate his love from base. I feel like it's almost like saying all pit bulls are bad. You know what I mean? Like if we just, or like all dog, like just certain dog types are bad. It's like, I feel like your environment, like we talked in the beginning and meritocracy and everything, I feel like your environment and then what's influencing and pouring into you determines, you know, your, your, your upbringing. And that, that has a complete effect on how you then live the remainder of your life. So it's like, then I got to look at his parents and then mm. I got to ask, you know, who it's, it's just a simple question of who hurt you and who hurt you. Cause like my dad was a, was an alcoholic and just abusive. So I would watch him beat me, my mom and everybody, oh, but damn. like it was a lot, it was excessive. Yeah. But, uh, you know, aside from like him beat my mom and, and, and stuff and just everything, I, I wouldn't trade anything else though. You know, I look back and I'm just like, yeah, they made you who you are. Yeah. So you know, it's like good and bad, the good and bad, everything yeah. is important. Even like even growing up and and experiences of being robbed or being beat up or you know just hard things and nothing has really ever been that hard because my dad just made us push so hard or or push us so hard or beat us so hard where it's like mm-hmm. there's nothing life can really like throw at me where it's like I've just got this relentless heart like that's why I love jujitsu it's like you know I know I'm not gonna beat people just based off sheer skill because there's always somebody better than you but I'm gonna just keep sh- coming back to you humbly mm-hmm. and just say again again. Again, again, and there's something about an individual that just keeps saying again mm-hmm. that you just you that's tiring to fight. Even if you got a big heart, that's where that I think that's where I'm successful. Is just like I'll literally go until I die. Yeah, my dad was harsh too, man. So yeah, I, I, I feel you. Even though my dad was a great dad, yeah, he was harsh. Yeah, you know, he would tell me like you're not good enough. Yeah, you know what I mean, high expectation. Well, that and that might be the culture though too. I feel like yeah, because the, the Kenyan we had here was really harsh. But like, <laughs> I loved studying his culture, and I I say culture just very generally, and just how he communicated. I would ask him to tell me about because Chicago's got a restaurant for every yeah like freaking continent and country. So I was like yeah, you know, let's try Kenyan food. Tell me about it because I wanted to instead of me like correcting him or criticizing him in the office, yeah. I wanted to understand him before I was able to lead him. Right. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's very key. I feel like we just try to like 
even to the extent of like generalizing people of like we pathologize everything yeah it's like let me understand this person first you know what i mean it's like religiously and 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 just uh physically and emotionally and just their especially their upbringing like right how were they raised maybe they don't they absolutely should not be publicly i don't think anybody should be publicly criticized right you know what i mean or even like constructive criticism you got to be very careful and that was one thing i absolutely was horrible at as a young leader it was just like if you i would just call you out and be like yo we got to get better you suck at this right now right and i drove i drove a good a good amount of people away doing that yeah compassionate leadership is everything yes um I feel like without my dad's harshness, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm in the gym, right? And I don't want to, like, get another set in. Yeah. Uh, or I'm too lazy to finish that one last rep. Yep. I'm at, like, nine. I want to get to ten. And I just have to tell myself, like, yo, bro, like, you're a hoe. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're yeah, soft. Yeah, get it up. Like, get it up. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, But you found a, a healthy balance. Like, you're not demoralizing. I can tell in your energy and your yeah. attitude. That you're not attack like some people take it way too far, right? And they won't shut that thing off, and it gets really dangerous. Nah, nah, you have to have that balance, right? That's important. Balance is everything. That's why I, like, even though I'm pretty harsh on myself, I still like understand, and I'm still grateful of my little wins, and um, I like I look at myself, and I'm happy about a lot of the things that I see. I'm very proud of some of the things that I've accomplished, but I know I just got to keep going. It's so easy to get complacent in this world. It's extremely easy to get complacent in this world because at a certain point in time, what you want now is what you used to desire badly, right? So you finally, it's easy to feel like you made it because you didn't make it for a certain version of who you were in the past, right? Yeah. But as you keep climbing a ladder, you still see, you still continue to look at different heights that you continually want to reach and there's new feats and accomplishments um, that you want to do and accomplish. So yeah it's a lot now i was reading through this and as as we start to wind down here but outside of the uh yeezy brand is there anything else you like uh in in the clothing kind of area because it says here like just out of the clothing oh shoes and yeah fashion so, so i'm i'm really big in the yeezys i mentioned that before right now this is just like alexander wang um I like to describe my style. That's not just Adidas? Nah, this is Alexander Wang. What's that? Uh, it's a brand. Yeah? It's a designer. I was looking. I was like, this is a dope shirt. Yeah. Like, this must be like a special Adidas shirt. I was like looking at it. Nah, nah. This is, well, this is a collab with Adidas. Okay. Uh, him uh, and Adidas, Alexander Wang had did a collaboration. I actually saw uh, Playboy Cardi rocking it first. So, yeah, I was just in love with like the velour texture. Yeah. I love, I don't know, I love Yeezy. Love Alexander Wang. Do you like off white? Uh, no, I'm not really an off white. Did you like Virgil as a person? Yeah, I okay. love him. You know, okay. he's from Chicago. Yeah, I was gonna say. Know, so I love Virgil as a person. Um, probably my favorite shoes of all time is the Jordan One. Off white. You know what Jordan. I mean? Yeah, the off white Jordans. Yeah, I love the Jordan One. Those are like Jordan 10, Ford. 15 grand, right? Yeah, they're expensive shoe. Yeah, there's a lot of different people I like and look up. I look up to like a lot of, um like local designers i like this dude named jorge oliver how big you is know? he would he get on this uh i don't know maybe he's really he probably had might have like a thousand followers on instagram so he, you he don't think probably, he would get on no he but he's low-key uh, okay. low he's like okay. a real low-key guy i don't know if he does yeah uh, interviews and things like that 
But I feel like there's just so much talent. See, that's what I want to get out because, like, a lot of big people obviously get on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, I want to get with the guys like me. You know what I mean? Right. The, the little like we. I want to just and just have our own little. You know what I mean? Group. You know, while we're small, just document it and get exposure. I feel like this is like our virtual. I want this to be like our virtual networking community. I think Landon does a great job of that. Is like, yeah, those are still pretty big names though. Like, I'm not. He just had like the mayor of Miami. It's right. like I can't just be like, hey, Landon, shoot me his number so I can just ask him some business questions. Right. I want this to be like you know like a good like just open-minded community of like just entrepreneurs that are just like a couple years into it you know what i mean or just right. really just not as much exposure as like these big names where it's like i've reached out to some people and it's like a hundred grand to get them on the podcast it's like it sounds good yeah but some of the little guys some of the big guys were little guys that everybody start like michael yeah. jordan's name wasn't always michael jordan right and it, it used to have zero ring to it right he was just like you and i you know what i mean just very minimal ring just within our selective circle right so one of the things one of the only things that you know might separate someone like the designer that i called out uh Jorge oliver and um you know like a big time designer is just an opportunity right opportunities like this so i definitely think it's worth reaching out to someone like that now it says you do tech sales so is that all you do so like what are you doing right now tech sales through this company that you're working through right yeah, now? Yeah, I do tech sales and, like, partnerships. So what all can you disclose about what you do right now? So, um, doing tech sales, also doing partnerships, trying to onboard creators to the program. I'm actually working at LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, so the the company. LinkedIn, yeah. The social media. So, company. that's the company you work for then? Yeah, that's the company I work for that was acquired by Microsoft. Microsoft. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. So, um yeah, just been doing like tech sales. So what do you sell? Like the packages on LinkedIn? Yeah, so I'll be selling like um like recruiter, you know, talent solutions. So what what could we do here because I'm I'm just actually asking cuz I literally just downloaded LinkedIn yeah. before you got here because I had it, but I added so many people that I deleted it because I've got like yeah. So many people, I would just get notification after notification. Aren't you trying to hire qualified people? Yeah, we're always trying to hire. We're, we just want salespeople. It does yeah. like the qualification is like pretty much English and like go on go on LinkedIn. But I've tried like DMing and so it's it's just called recruiter. Yeah, purchase recruiter like LinkedIn recruiter. Well, if we did it through you, would you get a commission? Uh, yeah, I can I can help set it up for you. Yeah, for sure. make, you might as well make a couple <laughs> bucks if we're gonna test it out. What is it like two fifty a month or something? Five hundred a month? Yeah, well, it depends on what exactly. You want? We'll talk I would about like, it. yeah, try to generate like four, like to start off. Because what I'll do is start off one of the managers yeah. here and be like, "Hey, look, set this up. Yeah, let's give this guy three months." <laughs> Sorry, we're striking a business deal right now, but yeah, no, definitely LinkedIn Recruiter is probably the most effective way of like sourcing candidates. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, there's just so much, you know, unique technology that we have access to that helps you find yeah. the person best suitable for a role that you're trying to fulfill. Yeah, so. Definitely, I would love to help you out. I actually see dope. salespeople on there all the time. I don't think there's a better resource than Recruiter. Yeah. We actually work with some pretty big companies. Because that's the where biggest all the young are, people go is LinkedIn. But I'm always yeah. like, why do I always get like the weird bots? And like I'm trying to find these young people. Yeah, it's one of the biggest software sales companies in the world. They're selling some of the most, you know, like yeah. innovative technology. Yeah. So I would definitely try to get on LinkedIn and uh use the platform especially as a business owner young business owner yeah to fulfill i know we're missing out there we're missing out there 
And uh, I'm really just trying to get the rest of the culture on, on more social media so we can just kind of double our force, yeah. you know, because it, it's not a matter of like, we've got the skills, we've got the systems, the average producer is going to do 2,500 a week. But if we could just double our force, yeah. you know what I mean? Everything is just going to just double with it. Yeah. I've actually been doing like partnerships with influencers as well, trying to onboard like influencers to the platform. So That's sweet. if you want to get on the platform and you want sort of like your own individual, like consultant, yeah, uh, you could sort of show us like metrics from other social media to to kind of like demonstrate the kind of the type of like traffic that you're generating on other social media platforms, and you can have your like own individualized like creator manager that would work with you, help wow. you build your LinkedIn. That's so dope. Yeah, and it's it's really unique. I think they're doing something really great at LinkedIn. I think the two social medias that I'm looking at right now in terms of like innovation and growth for the future are LinkedIn and TikTok. Yeah, you that's know, where I'm spending all my time and money on TikTok right now. Everything is on there. So, so I'll drop anywhere from an extra thousand to twenty five hundred a week just through TikTok, and that's where I'm generating my most return, like organically. I put that on my Snap today. I was like, out of like my most organic exposure, yeah, it's TikTok right now. Yeah, that's why I say hop on LinkedIn, hop on TikTok. I'm excited for this. Those LinkedIn. are those are the two. Yeah, those are the two social medias that are giving that's dope. their consumers the most value. That's dope. right now. So for sure. Now, what about, I, I'm really curious about like, uh, now your culture, I, I would say more so from your, your dad's side would be pretty, pretty different than, than your mom's side. Like, what's that? What, what was that like growing up? What have you really kind of like just, uh, embraced and really like live in love culturally? So, <sighs> and from anything outside of home too. Yeah. I would just say it's the expectation to be great, you know? Being anything other than great isn't an option. Yeah. So I sort of set this expectation of myself to be great holistically, right? Yeah. I want to go in the gym. I want to be able to bench 300 pounds. Yep. I also want to score a 32 on the ACT. You know what I mean? I also want to be the best at my job. I want to be making 200, 300, 400,000. You know, I want to be able to uh, be the best basketball player I can be. I want to be good at everything. Yeah. And this is sort of something that was cultivated when I was just being around my family. You know yeah. what I mean? I was just finding men and women who were just sharp and a multitude of different mediums. Yeah. Right. I want to be the best rapper of all time. I want to be I want to be good at everything because why not? Yeah. Why not? If you're going to do something, you better do it well. Yeah. You know, you should want to be the best. Right. Or you should be one of the best. You know what I mean? That's just how the cycle of relativity works, right? Like, yeah. especially if you're going to be comparing yourself to other people, you you got to be great. You got to be willing to, you know, take on that burden of performance. And um, I feel like that was something that was instilled in me just from my culture. Yeah. And I think the same thing is for my friends that are part of the same culture or similar cultures. Yeah. Um, some of my best friends are from countries like Senegal and uh, I have a lot of friends from Nigeria, Ghana, um, you know, even places like Ethiopia. You know what I mean? They all just have this this dedication to being successful. Yeah, even my friends Ethiopia, from like not Kenya. You oh the guy yeah your friend. Uh, <laughs> you said that I was like oh shit. <laughs> yeah, even some of my guys from like India, like Pakistan, yeah. they're just like hustlers. You yeah. know what I mean? They're in yeah. the gym five six days a week. You know what I mean? They're software yep. engineers making you know three hundred thousand. Uh, still find the time to, you know, read books. Yes. Become more sharp mentally. Yes. Uh, there's like a burden of performance that exists. Yeah. And I don't think everyone identifies it. So 
in certain cultures, they make it known. They yeah. make it known that, yo, if you don't have this or if you don't do this, people aren't going to respect you. Yeah. And that's that's just what it is. Do you have a favorite food, like a favorite restaurant or something you like, you just love to eat? Yeah. So I love Indian food. Yeah. There's this place called Gaylord. Yeah. I think Atlanta has told me about that. Yeah, it's so, in the city? Yeah, it's in the city. It's downtown. Yeah. Uh, well, it's in the Gold Coast neighborhood. But um, super good. One of my favorite restaurants in the city. Uh, I'm going to Maple and Ash tonight. Love Maple and Ash. Yeah, great restaurant. What are you going to get? I've never actually been there before, so I'm excited for the opportunity. The last time I did, yeah. I, it was uh, the Fuck It or something. Oh, the Fuck It that just to give they me just, whatever? Yeah, they just bring you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was pretty good. And then I, I got the, uh, I love Wagyu, so I'll, I'll always ask for their A5. Oh, I love like Japanese barbecue, Korean barbecue, yeah. things like that. Uh, but I would say my favorite food out of all foods is probably Nigerian food. Just well, like, and that, what would that be? Just like rice and stew. Like, yeah. You can also have like fufu and some might call it like pound of yam. I forget what the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian food was, but like there was like this, well, almost like a pancake-ish type of bread and then yeah. you'd scoop everything up and it was really good actually. Yeah, that's like, right. I really loved it. Very similar to what we have, but you know, I'm a very simple guy. I just like some carbs with some protein yeah i'm the same way that's why uh, i told landon when we go out tonight i was like i just want i just need to generally be within like this much carbs and protein as long as i don't do sugar i'll be all right right so yeah i'm fine with chipotle you yeah know what i mean yeah like yeah i just like carbs and protein if if there's carbs and protein rice is especially rice i love rice yeah and some meat i'm good now, as as uh, we wrap up, I'm always curious. I try to tie it in. If I feel like I didn't hear it, just want to solidify it of what's the hardest adversity you've had to overcome in your life? Um, I feel like everything was internal. Just like being down yeah. on myself. I usually don't let external things affect me that much or I'm able to brush them off my shoulders. Yeah. I can witness somebody get killed and... You know, I'm good like a week later. Yeah. Um, I can encounter a violent situation and, you know, sort of recover from that. But I think the only adversity that sustained itself was, you know, sort of the internal battles that I face. Yeah. You know, just just things going on mentally. Um, and so I feel like I've overcome come them, especially like early in the pandemic. I felt like I went through one of the most you know, difficult times in my life, right? Just, like, from a mental perspective. I don't know if it's because I wasn't getting enough sunlight. Also lost, like, 100 grand in the market doing something, doing some stupid stuff. So yeah. Was just... Well, yeah, I mean, that's a great, yeah. great reason to have a sad <laughs> week, bro. Was in, a, was in a period of time in my life where, you know, I just had to make things happen and wasn't satisfied with, you know, where I was at, and then I lost a bunch of money, you know what I mean? But luckily... I tell this friend this all the time. One of my friends, I was actually in a really bad situation. I, I got, like, beat up by the police and everything. It was just a lot going wow. on. Um, like, that week I lost 100 grand. I just, it was just a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I was telling one of my friends about this. Uh, well, I didn't tell her. I, I never tell people, like, when bad things are going on in my life. But she just recognized that. You know, I haven't been acting myself. Something was off. Yeah, something was off. Yeah. She invited me over to her house to get Jamaican food. Um, And my life was never the same after that, after that one meeting, after that one encounter. It just, it gave me that reset I needed. I was like, 
this is someone that believes in me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I got to repay them for this encounter. Yeah. So. That's dope. Yeah. Anything you want to shout out? Any endeavors, businesses, or anything at all you want to shout out? Anybody? Yeah. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Tony Santana Raps. Um, You can follow my music page, The Strange Civilians. Really grateful to be here. This is a great podcast. Really big fan of Tristan and everything he has going on. So appreciate you for having us. I appreciate you, bro. This was dope. This is really cool. And I actually, uh, I want to hear this line real quick before you take off from, uh, what was it, the mid Midwest? Yeah, Midwest side. And it's it's in here. It, like, plays it. You guys got to hear this line. It's good. It's, not, it's only, like, 15 seconds. This is so good. <laughs> Midwest side. That's one of my. This my. <laughs> that was hard. Yeah, that's one of my favorite songs, especially the end of my verse. That was so hard. I said something like, um, "I care about your emotions. I know you fine because you glow in. We probably got to talk about that because I care about your emotions." Um, yeah, it was just relatable. So know? good. Yeah, so I love that song, Midwestside. That's so good. Yeah. Another episode of Adversity Kings. We out. We appreciate you. Tony Santana. Let's go. Let's get this money.